Hi, I'm Nick Reese, the singer from Joyous Wolf, and this is Thunder Underground. Welcome to episode 281 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here. Jason's out this week. This week I've got an interview with Nick Reese of Joyous Wolf. Nick is a fantastic vocalist, and Joyous Wolf is a great band. So we will get into all that here in just a bit. Talk a little bit about them and then get into that interview. Talk about some other stuff as well. But first, I've got to let you know who pays the bills to keep this podcast afloat. And that would be Hella Hot Hot Sauce. A hot sauce company based in California in the San Francisco Bay Area. They make small batch artisan hot sauces. It's a mom and pop style operation. It's a husband and wife team. And they've got a great selection that you can check out at hellahothotsauce.com. Get on Facebook and follow them at hellahothotsauce and Instagram as well. And they also feature some uh, collaborations that they do with some metal artists. They have a hot sauce out called Brain Jerk with Ghoul, who we've had on this podcast. We've also had Florida Frank from Hate Breed on this podcast, and they've got a hot sauce with him called Florida Frank's Florida Heat, and that stuff is fantastic. They sent us some, and we absolutely love it. So get on their website, check them out. If you're in the California area, you can actually buy it in stores out there, but anywhere else in the world, just get on the website and order some and tell them that we sent you. Also, Sunset Tattoo is a tattoo shop in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 3146 East 15th Street, right in the heart of Midtown. They've got over 25 years of experience. Their tattoos are done good and proper. They're state licensed and they are mother approved. So give them a call or shoot them a message or whatever you, however you want to handle it. So you can set up a time to get in there and discuss what work you need to get done. Get on their Facebook at Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. Also on Instagram at Sunset Tattoo Tulsa to see all their work. They've got a ton of Great stuff, like I said, 25 years of experience, so you know that you're going to get great work from Jake and his crew over there. So give them a call or a holler, like them, follow them, and let them know that Thunder Underground sent you. Med Farm is a dispensary located in Broken Air, Oklahoma, at 24683 East Highway 51. They're right off the highway, so you can't miss them. They have a huge selection that you can check out on Leafly.com. Get on their Facebook and follow them. Medfarm, that's P-H-A-R-M. Follow them on Instagram at MedfarmOK. Check out their website, MedfarmOK.com. If you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you a 10% off your first order, which is very cool. They're also always running other specials, so follow them on their socials so you don't miss that. And above all else, 30% of their profits go to build no-kill animal shelters, which is very cool. That's uh, an amazing thing, and we've said this Many, many times you can go to dispensaries everywhere now. They're all over the place here in the Tulsa area in Oklahoma. But none of them are donating 30% of their profits to build no-kill animal shelters. The world needs way more no-kill shelters, of course. So if you support this company, you're supporting that as well. They also have a drive through You can text or call in your order and just drive through and pick it up. So you can't beat that. And also, finally, DEB Concerts, 
right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma as well. They've brought a ton of great shows over the last few years to downtown Tulsa. Bands like Last in Line, Bisto Blanco, Buck Cherry, Warrant, Lita Ford, a huge long list. They had Poison, Sebastian Bach and Tom Kiefer scheduled for the BOK Center this summer. That, of course, is postponed to next year. But in the meantime, this weekend, two days from now, August 15th at the Ideal Ballroom, they will be having a show, Dead Metal Society and Rocket Science. Two Oklahoma bands that are both excellent live. We've seen them both many times, and they've both been on this podcast a few times. Separate members from both bands, so debconcerts.com is where you can find out info on all their shows. And of course, be kept up to date on anything upcoming or changing. They've also got LA Guns coming on October 23rd. And they've been here to the Ideal a couple times. And they've been on this podcast as well. So check that out. Huge thank you to DEB Concerts. Okay, before we get into the, the talk with Nick Reese, I wanted to talk a little bit about Static X and their new album. It's been out about a month, so I should have done this by now. But hey, I'm doing it now. It's never too late, right? Their new album is called Project Regeneration Volume 1. And as pretty much anyone knows that listens to rock or metal, Wayne Static passed away several years ago, and their last album was 2009. So this is the first album in 11 years. And when this whole thing that they're doing kind of first made news that they were going to, you know, this has happened in the past where bands will release music that was recorded and then a vocalist or a key member dies and they go ahead and release material later on that was worked on. I mean, Soundgarden's supposedly has a lot of, or nearly a full album worth of material that is being held up. So, but when you, when you hear about that, you know, I always get kind of leery because it's like, is someone just slapping this thing together, you know, to put something out there and try to make a few bucks? But when you hear this album from Static X, they got the, you know, the three original members besides Wayne back for the first time in quite a while. And at least half these songs have Wayne's vocals on them, and the other half have their new quote unquote mystery vocalist, which is, I've never heard it pronounced. I, I assume it's Xero. It's X E R O instead of zero, but with an X. And everyone knows now that that is Edsel Dope from Dope, which is a great fit, and they went on tour, you know, this past year with him as the front man, and he was wearing a Wayne Static mask, and, you know, everybody kind of just assumed that, and then I guess it was officially reported later on, but that's not the point. The point is, there's a couple songs I know where both of their vocals are on, and if you're just listening to this as a you know, just kind of a random listen and you're not like a diehard fan. It's done well enough to where, you know, both these guys have voices that you can recognize, but Edsel does this justice for what it is. You know, they're completing a Static X work that Wayne had started. What I'm trying to say is that they, there's points where you don't really realize which one you're listening to. Yeah, I mean, you can look it up and find it out, but if, if you're listening pretty close, you know, I did listen on the headphones you can tell the difference, but it's done well enough that it's, it's fairly close, you know, so, 
and it, and it's not done in a cheesy way where it's like you know I'm just trying to sound exactly like like Wayne Static or whatever. But overall, the music is great. If you've ever liked Static X, you're gonna I think you're really gonna like this. They I don't think they've really said, but you know there was talk that a lot of it was completely reworked. But there's a lot of Wayne Static's guitars all over this, and it sounds like it was done well enough where it sounds like a Wayne Static. Static X album. It doesn't sound like someone just slapped something together and pieced him in there, you know, because I mean, you've got the original members. They're as much a part of this sound as he was. And it's just, I mean, it's done really well where you've, you've got the, the fast, hard pounding industrial style metal. You've got melodic stuff going on. It's kind of funny because I, you know, I, I love this whole thing from, from start to finish. There's never a point where it gets boring or lets up. But the very last track called Dead Souls, which is kind of not what Static X was known for, the hard driving, you know, kind of, like I said, industrial metal. They've done music like this in the past, but the song Dead Souls is more of a, like a melodic kind of a, almost a, I don't know if beautiful is the right word, but I guess if you're a Static X fan, you know, you might say beautiful, but it's, it's just a huge grand kind of song and a great absolutely perfect way to end this album and it also features some backing vocals from the mighty al jorgensen of ministry when i first saw the track list before i listened to this i thought is that a cover of dead souls by joy division which nine inch nails famously covered on the crow soundtrack in 1994 that i mean that soundtrack's amazing and that's Absolutely. I didn't even know for a while back in the 90s that that wasn't an original Nine Inch Nails song. It wasn't until a few years later that I think I'd read that it was Joy Division. Because that's a band I, when I was a kid, I'd never listened to. But the point is, it was not. It's their own song. But I just thought, you know, you've got an industrial band releasing a song that was done by two other bands that are known from that genre. But regardless point is you need to check this out and it's like i said it's called volume one volume two is supposed to come out i believe next year sometime and i think that one will be entirely edsel dope but if this album is any indication from the few songs that don't have wayne static on them you're still going to get a great album with that and i'm really looking forward to it so do yourself a favor and check this album out all right now on a completely different note Joyous Wolf, who is decidedly not industrial. These guys have a great sound, and Nick is a fantastic vocalist. They had an album come out mid-last year. I think it was actually April, so it's been out coming on a year and a half. And they just released a new single at the end of June called Odyssey, which we talk a lot about here in the interview, which was based on the world-famous Odyssey by Homer. And that's a, you know, pretty interesting take whenever you, you know, whenever you hear that, you know, Nick had this idea to do this, you know, he's a 25-year-old, and that's not something that a lot of people in their mid-20s are paying attention to, you know, the works of Homer and stuff from, you know, classic Greek literature like that. But, you know, they took the, the subject matter made a fantastic song, and there's a great animated video that's awesome as well that goes along with this. 
And as he talks about, there's going to be more music coming here soon, another single, and possibly more songs on their upcoming album that fit into this same theme as well, which I'm really looking forward to because Odyssey is a song that I've had on repeat since I first heard it last month, so you should do the same. But let's just jump into this. Here is Nick Reese of Joyous Wolf. Odyssey recently. Where was yeah. where did the idea come from for you to kind of put your spin on that story? I was just reading it um, during the Deep Purple tour at the latter half of the year, latter part of the year um, last year, and I don't know. I, I just I just always loved that story when I even when I first read it in school, and um, I've read it quite a few times now. Um, just different adaptations and stuff, translations. I just, I just fell in love with the character. You know, it's a protagonist that's so flawed and while also being all the things that, you know, a main character of the story needs to be, you know, courageous and smart and also very, you know, messed up, you know, very, very human. And I just related to that heavily. And I don't know, I was inspired. I wanted to challenge myself to see if I could put something needlessly complicated into a song that anyone could enjoy. Right. <laughs> well, was that something you wrote out lyrically before you guys came up with the music, or how did that process go? Yeah, actually, one of the rare times where that happens for me, I was in Denver one night um, with some friends, and it was kind of one of my first like lost nights. You know, I had a, more than a few beers that night, and I just remember it being an overall just a blast. Um, and uh, I walked out of it, uh, woke up the next morning, and I uh, pulled out a pen and paper, and I just wrote down the first uh, the first verse, pretty much. As far as the video goes, was that your idea as well, or was that something you left in the hands of the animator? Um, it was all very much uh, on the same vein of thinking. You know, it, it it just happened to work out the way that it did, and you know, I'm pretty happy about that. Kind of in a way, at least with the video and the. I mean, the, and it, I could say that kind of fits what's going on now. You know, kind of people struggling and. Yeah, I mean, get... it, it 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 was definitely unintentional, you know. I had obviously, unless unless I, unless I'm related to Nostradamus or something, but um, <laughs> right. uh, you know, it, it, I mean, it definitely is. A, it's a song that sounds a lot happier than it is, you right. know. But the ultimate thing is like, you know, in times of trouble, make it double, you know. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think. Um, that's a message that I like putting out into the world, you know, is, you know, don't, even though everything might be screaming at you to give up, you know, you have to carry on. 
I mean, you kind of mentioned a minute ago that was writing the lyrics wasn't the normal process, at least up front. Is that is that something normally you write lyrics based off of hearing the music first? Not you. I mean, not usually. I'll I'll write the lyrics first. Sometimes I'll write uh, a couple of our songs. I mean, it's not as common, but most of the time it's when I'll construct a melody and the guys, you know, while we're jamming or whatever, and we'll figuring out, you know, just uh, while we have this riff or whatever in this verse, and we'll try it out. And usually my melody will start first, and I'll fill in the lyrics later. I just give it some time to think about, you know, what I feel like the song is about. And uh, this is one of those times, though, where I just wrote something, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do something with this. And there are a couple of different versions of uh, Odyssey that I had messed around with myself until eventually, you know, I settled on what it eventually became. Is that something you think you might ever explore putting the other one out there? Or is that, or was it just kind of a loose idea that you didn't ever construct completely? I've been writing all of our songs about it, to be honest. Um, our next song um, that will be released at some point in the future, near future, is uh, is actually um, inspired by Calypso. Uh, she's the goddess that um, will say, you know, to give um, Odysseus. She says, "I'll give you eternal life, but you have to leave everything that you have now and your mortal life behind." Meaning his wife and his son, his comrades and his kingdom and his, you know, everything that he is, he must, he has to leave it, you know? And it's sort of like, you know, and it, it takes him a long time, you know, to be able to reason with himself that it's not worth it. You know, it takes him seven years, you know, traps. And it's, again, it's an experience. Like I said, it's, it's so layered because it's a very selfish thing, but ultimately he chooses his wife, Penelope and his son, Telemachus and his life and his kingdom and his countrymen, you know, he chooses to, to to live and die rather to live forever. And it's sort of the idea of of the religion of a person. You know, uh, when P- you, you I know you've definitely have met someone in your life, if not maybe yourself at one point where you felt yourself sort of of worshiping someone, you know, like to the point where they could say anything to you, do anything to you. And, and you'd still keep coming back for more. This idea of sort of like, the you know, the the religion of a person, you know, of the, the over, um, and the over, um, uh, was, you know, putting someone on a pedestal, whether it be a man or a woman or, or a friend or a colleague, you know, just the religion of a person, you know? So I think everything is definitely charged with this narrative in my mind. That's a story that I really am trying to tell and construct. With it being a big enough story like that, it's probably, I mean, is it something you could do a full EP or album concept style yes. or is that even something you yeah. consider? That's, 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 that's how I'm, I'm working right now. It's how my mind is with it. Okay. Is that yeah, I'm treating very much a concept? Are you guys working towards another EP or just right now are you just working on these singles and it's a, we're working on an album. You know, but uh, it's good. I, I wouldn't expect anything this year. I'd say probably 2021 springtime. That's my uh, my uh, little guess right there. So you guys just kind of in the still in the writing phase and yeah, right. But there will be more singles though. So okay, something and to look forward to. <laughs> are the 
like Odyssey and your next single are those ones that'll be on that album or are these standalone? I believe so. I, I would, I would imagine so. Okay. Well, would, I mean, you are releasing songs. So, I mean, it kind of answers this question, but I've heard a lot of different thoughts on, you know, over the past three or four months, we've interviewed people and some people say they don't want to release music right now. And other people say that it's the perfect time to release music. I mean, what are your thoughts on I, I that? I think it's, I think it's a disservice to, to people not to release music right now. Right. You know, I mean, and you know, in times of, of, of hardship, you know, you look back and you, th- I guarantee you, you think of a song, you know, yeah. when someone dies, when, you know, when there's a, a traumatic event of any kind, you know, whether big or small, most of the time you, you have a song that reminds you of it or a song that helped you get through it. So I think, I think it is more of a service now that more than ever, you know, and that's how I feel about it anyways. Well, so, you know, kind of during this time of, you know, everybody's doing either live streams or zoom video type things. Have you guys had any discussions about, other ways to promote yourself in the, the coming months while we're still dealing with this until we can get to hopefully the other side next year. Yeah. We just did a massive amount of content over the last couple of days that I think people are going to be very happy with and, um, can't really talk about it cause I want it to be more surprising, but there'll be a lot of choice wolf stuff to look at in the coming weeks. Um, listen to and look at, um, and, um, yeah, you know, I've been doing a, a podcast called Singer Speaking, where I talk with other singers, and uh, you can look on that on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I upload the episodes. I do them live on Instagram, and yeah, you know, I've talked to all the other young rock guys, you know, Landon Milborn from Goodbye June, Luke Spiller, Cody Bowles, uh, Justin Benlolo, um, you know, Ihab um, Amrin, uh, all of those guys. Uh, I just actually talked to Jeff Tate from Queensryche. And uh, Chris Jericho, ever you know, I just I have a lot of cool friends, you know. Yeah, that's something that I've been doing to to kind of pass the time. Is that something you just like you started recently during this? Once all this oh, happened, yeah. okay. I was like, I need I need something to do, or I'm literally gonna kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, like, kind of on that note. Besides that, how have you been passing time on a personal level during this whole pandemic? Just trying to stay productive, you know, like I may, like I love to dance and I make dance videos on my social media and uh, all sorts of crazy stuff like that. So if you want to see some crazy uh, dance mu- music to uh, Prince James Brown and Michael Jackson stuff and tons of other things, uh, just follow me on Instagram at, at just Nick Reese for that kind of stuff. I, you know, just trying to keep myself active, trying to keep myself in some semblance of shape, you know, because I can't go to the gym like I used to. So I'm just, you know, I don't have a lot of exercise equipment and, uh, you know, just trying to battle the, the, the mundane and the laziness, you know? Right. And, uh, writing, you know, writing with the guys, guys and I have a new practice space. So we're doing that, you know, and keeping ourselves busy doing all that. And, um, yeah, you know, you guys all live in the same area where you're able to get together and rehearse and that kind of thing. Yeah, we all live about, uh, you know, fairly close, you know, just a short drive away. This kind of is kind of a generic question, but I mean, what is it that you think led you guys to the sound that you have? Is it just kind of your guys' interests and or was it 
a determined thing that you want to kind of have this throwback sound with a modern feel? I mean, I hate calling it a throwback sound. I feel like that's like the most ridiculous thing about modern rock audiences is that, you know, I can't stand that, but uh, just because they never did it at any other point, you know, in the nineties, we weren't calling Soundgarden a throwback band, you know, like, yeah. you, know, you know, so I, I hate that. I can't stand it. You know, some bands have perpetuated it and then that's fine, but uh, we're a modern rock band. We, we never had a goal. We're just like, Hey, let's uh, get together and jam. And I remember someone at uh, Blake asking me, he's like, what kind of music is it going to be? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's just, feel it out, see what happens, you know, and it, what happened happened, you know. Another kind of question that's, you know, kind of a dumb question in a way, but touring with Deep Purple, I mean, you don't want to say like, how was that? Because you know it was probably cool, but like what was that experience like as a young band being able to tour with, you know, a band that's been around 50 years? It was definitely an experience. I mean, they were all really great people. Like all of them were just unbelievably kind and um treated us with respect and dignity and uh it gave us so much more than we probably deserved you know i you know i just you know both the ian steve like all of them just unbelievably kind and and you know consummate professionals you know do you think i mean do you think there's anything you guys kind of took away like you learned from them that maybe you hadn't thought of before you went on that tour. I don't think I don't think it was it, there was like something we didn't already know. I, I just think it, you're just seeing someone do what you do on a different level of of right. of uh, experience, you know. And that's just something you're like, oh, I, you know, you hope you get there one day, you know, kind yeah. of thing. You know, we we had toured. We would, last year particularly we had toured so much, you know. I think we'd already learned those lessons by the time we got there. But I, I think ultimately we just, we met our hero. You know, we've met so many of our heroes and we've walked out with pretty much all positive stories. Like, I don't think I have a negative story about a hero that I've met. And Ian, me, you know, getting to speak and hang out a little bit with Ian Gillen and, and, you know, him wishing me a happy birthday on my 25th birthday is something I'll never forget the rest of my life. And, and talking about Elvis and, just uh you know getting to meet uh, the families of some of the members and getting to know them you know I, like I, I i love people you know like so those are the the things that i took away the most you know the music is is transcendent and and they're again they're professionals and you know they have been doing this a while and you can tell you know yeah but uh, but them as people is what I will always remember. My uh, episode that's coming out next week is actually with Glenn Hughes. And what's your your favorite era of Deep Purple? If you could pick one, I got I got to give it to my, to Main Man Ian. You yeah. know, Child in Time. You know, his vocals on that. Again, in his own words, you know, don't get into screaming. He's like, if you're doing screaming, just. <laughs> <laughs> he's like you'll be regretting it for the rest of your life you know um, <laughs> but no he's i love really you know the early like right after um you know the hush era like right when ian starts and you know he he just had he just had a 
a particularness to him. And not that Glenn isn't amazing because he is, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, you know, all like there's a lot of good fruit, you, you know, oranges <laughs> are good. Apples are good. You know, like I feel like they're completely different yeah. singers. You know? Speaking of singing, like how, how do you maintain your voice, especially these days where there's way less live shows and, I mean, I'll tell you, it's, 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 you know, nothing really, I mean, we just kind of did our first little like performance thing in a while and it was, uh, it's definitely just like, oh yeah, that's six, that's six months off right there. You know, like nothing, nothing really prepares you for that and except just doing it, you know, and I was, we were really doing quite a bit, you know, we were practicing all the time and we played some shows earlier this year and I was in really good shape physically. And, uh, you know, the six months is just six months of, uh, off time really kind of, you know, set me back a little, but I'm, but I'm going to keep, you know, picking myself back up and, and dust myself off and just, just got to get back into the flow of things, you know, like I can sing at home as much as I want, but nothing really prepares you for getting up on stage and singing with an exploding, you know, band behind you, like, especially as loud as the guys, my band like to play. So <laughs> Well, before do live shows, do you have any kind of warm up routine, or do you just go in? Yeah, cold. I mean, <laughs> I, I have, I have a, I have a, I warm up throughout the day. Like I wake up and I have a, you know, right when I wake up, I have a little um, warm up, and then I have an afternoon one for a couple of minutes, and then I have a, a short uh, evening one, you know, and, and that's just my way to kind of keep the cogs turning, you know, and to, um, I mean, I'm not even gonna lie, I've actually last couple of months I've just been pretty much reteaching myself how to sing um just because before i was singing in a way that was detrimental to my to my health vocally you know and um i've just been working with a, a wonderful woman named melissa cross who's helped me um really improve i think i think you can definitely hear a difference between uh the ep songs and odyssey like i, I worked really hard on that vocal and um did it the old-fashioned way, you know. Uh, no computers and auto-tuning for me, you know. Uh, I'm a purist, you know. Um, but yeah, it's been a it's been a process, you know. And I'm still learning and still just kind of getting used to, um, you know, my the new technique and the new um, way that I'm going to be carrying forward from this point on. Was that kind of relearning what were you self? just kind of self-taught or did you have any formal yes. training early on? No, I was completely self-taught and, uh, you know, you just learn that you can get the same sound that you want to make without, uh, you know, tearing up your vocal cords, you know? Yeah. Was there, I guess the influence question, but like, was there any one particular person that made you want to be a singer early on? Yeah. Uh, Elvis Presley. Okay. Yeah, 150%. He was, he was the beginning of – I mean, I'd say him because without him, I wouldn't have found all the things that he loved, you know, like the blues and, you know, the blues and R&B singers of the day and uh, the country stuff. And, you know, through blues music is really where I developed, like, B.B. King and was was a vocally just someone I just tried to be and just could not but tried my damnedest, you know. To have this sort of guttural sound, Ray Charles, you know, like those two guys, 
were really the ones I obsessed over vocally. I'm like, I need, I want to sound like these guys. I want to sing like they sing. I want to feel like they feel when they sing. Really wasn't into rock music. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as everyone's saying, everyone's like, you must have loved this guy. And it's like, no, I'm sorry. I do now, you know, but uh, (laughs) you know, but learning to sing growing up, like I wanted to sound like, again, I wanted to sound like Elvis and, and Johnny Cash and Ray Charles and, and James Brown and BB King and Muddy Waters. I wanted to sound like those guys. You know, they just had this thing, this swagger, this soul. You know that you that you just don't hear. You know, and I found to them, I found you know Otis Redding and and Sam Cooke. You know, and Al Green and you know my list is endless and endless. You know, like being a younger guy is that something you picked up from like parents or family members, or is that you discovered that on your own? I mean, my parents, you know, were like uh, were children, really, of the '70s and the '90s and the '80s, and I got my share of that stuff, you know, like a lot of new wave, you know, from my parents, um, which is like my favorite genre of, mu- of like time period of music is like 1977 through 1987. Like, I love the music coming out of the world in that time. Um, as far as like uh, the European stuff and the new wave stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think they they did have a taste for older music, a lot of jazz and a lot of uh, um, stuff like that. And I just sort of gravitated to it. And then when I got a little older and it was my time to kind of, you know, get on the computer for the first time and look around. Like for, I remember the first thing I wanted to look up was music, you know, yeah. looking up Elvis songs and and uh, again, songs that I knew and I knew some, you know, everyone knows you know, some Ray, like the Ray Charles greatest hits, like, you know, Unchained My Heart and, you know, stuff like that, uh, you know, uh, Hit the Road Jack, you know. Um, so I just started looking up stuff like that and, you know, just kind of taking my own interest, you know, rediscovering, like I loved the song Brown Eyed Girl. So I was like, what other songs did this guy make? You know, Van Morrison realizing I'm like, okay, this guy's a genius, you know. <laughs> And just yeah, that's kind of the way I just sort of made my way through the decades. I started in like the '40s with Frank Sinatra and you know all of the crooner type stuff, and I made it into the you know '50s rock and roll, and that was my where my birth of my love of rock and roll came from. And I just again, I just kind of went through it naturally. I went to the '60s, and I was like, okay, this is cool. It's getting kind of tougher. I like this. I want how much harder can it get? You know. <laughs> Then I get into the six, you know, late sixties into the seventies, into the eighties, into the nineties, you know, and I get into Pantera and then I get into, you know, stuff like Slipknot and whatever. And then I hit the wall and I'm like, all right, <laughs> I've gotten, I've gotten, I've gotten to where I deem it's heavy enough for me. And I'm going to, and then I'm just, I go right back to the beginning and start over again and see what I missed. And that's kind of what I just keep doing. And I just keep, you know, discovering and rediscovering and trying to learn all sorts of different things, you know, and, Obviously, stuff for my own, you know, time frame. Like I love a lot of the, like uh, indie rock stuff that was coming out a couple of years ago, like ten years ago. Um, stuff like Young the Giant and the Shins, and you know, like I got from you know when I was a kid, the Killers were the biggest band in the world. So you know, yeah. stuff like that. Like, you know, it, it. I'm really just a combination of all of this stuff. You know. Do you like to this day? Do you still kind of listen to everything, like that wide range of Ray Charles to Pantera, or is it? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, no doubt, man. Like I was playing, uh, live killers, uh, yesterday. I don't know if you know the uh, live killers, uh, you know, uh, the Judas priest, yeah. uh, live record. 
and uh, you know hearing uh, Devil's Child, and then right after that I probably put on like you know uh, just some probably Cab Calloway or something. I have a pretty you know eclectic uh, playlist. <laughs> Well, you mentioned Prince earlier and like your dance videos. Is that kind of where you're, I've, I haven't ever seen you live, but like I've seen, you know, videos and stuff and it, like, especially like the Mississippi queen video where you're, you know, you do the flip and the moves and stuff. Is that kind of where that comes from for you? Oh yeah. You know, James Brown really, like I, I remember I saw a docucast of, uh, the Tammy show, um, it's from 1964, you know, it was the beach boys, the stones, first American appearance, you know, James Brown went up there and, and absolutely stole the show and just one of, in my opinion, the greatest live performance possibly ever by, by a single artist. Like he just goes out there and owns it in a way that's, that just is just, again, he's the godfather of soul. He's James Brown, but this is like, it's really what made him James Brown, you know, in the public consciousness in America back in the sixties. And I remember my mom telling me, she's like, you watched that and you were like seven and you stood up and you just started sliding around in your socks on the floor. You know, <laughs> that was just in me from like, even when I was an infant, like there were home videos of music playing and I'm just kind of like a little mindless toddler, but I'm bouncing around in rhythm to the music. It's just always been something that's been there. And I love the dance, you know, and I think I was really a dancer before I started to sing. And eventually they just kind of met in the middle and I've turned into what I am now. And, that's, you know, James Brown and Michael Jackson and Prince and so many others, you know, causing that in me. Is that something you think you guys would ever explore cover-wise? Any music like that? I don't think we ever want to cover another song again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just because I, I just, I think we just, like, we're like, yeah, you know, like we're glad that people like our cover, but same time we're like, can you? Could you listen to our original stuff? Yeah. You know, that's what pays the bills, you know, and uh, give it a shot. I think you might like it. You know, I think we're really just trying to make it on our own merits. And I mean, I'm sure you'll probably, I mean, we still do stuff for fun live, but I don't think you're going to see us like cover a song again, in my opinion. I think uh, I could say that with uh, uh, more, more than enough confidence that the others feel the same. Yeah. Yeah. I like that philosophy personally. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking time with me today. Sure, man. It was a a blast and a half. There you go. Nick Reese of Joyous Wolf. A huge thank you to Tim from Adam Splitter PR. And, of course, a huge thank you to Nick for taking some time out there to talk to me about everything that Joyous Wolf has going on and he has going on. Give him a follow on Twitter and Instagram. It's at just J-U-S-T Nick Reese. He's got a lot of stuff separate from Joyous Wolfery's. I think he might have mentioned it there in the interview. And I recorded this a couple weeks ago and I haven't listened back yet at the point of recording this part of the interview or the podcast. But he uh, has some like dance videos where he's dancing along to Prince and Michael Jackson and stuff. And it's really good. And I know we talked about that in an interview where that kind of influence came into his, you know, like live performance and everything. But as you heard in that interview, like his influences are wide ranging and you can hear that in from not just him, but this entire band, you know, they've, like I said, they've got a great sound. If, you know, if you're, if you're not real familiar with Joyous Wolf, you know, there's a, 
slew of bands out there that just have like a great rock and roll sound. That's like the best way to describe it. You know, you're not going to say, put them into any specific genre. It's just good rock and roll. You know, you've got bands like Rival Sons and Dirty Honey, bands along those lines that, you know, Joyous Wolf kind of fits along with. And like, you know, he mentioned that interview. They were a part of Deep Purple's entire tour last fall. And it fits as well with, you know, band like Deep Purple as well. So do yourself a favor and dig into some Joyous Wolf. And I can't wait to hear what they've got coming up as well. Like like you said, they've got a new single coming probably here in the next couple months as well. So look for that. Give these guys a follow on their socials. If it's your first time listening, I appreciate it. Like I mentioned there when I was talking to Nick, Glenn Hughes was our guest just last week. Speaking of Deep Purple. And that was great. Check that one out. We've got 279 other episodes before that that you can check out. You know, we've had on members of Kiss, Def Leppard, Guns N' Roses, Thin Lizzy, uh, Megadeth, Shinedown, Saving Abel, Warrant, Tesla, Great White, Seven Dust, Get Real Heavy with stuff like The Black Dahlia Murder, Crowbar, Superjoint. We recently had on Alex Skolnick of Testament. We've had on James Lomenzo from Black Label Society and John Fogarty. The list is extremely long, so you can dig through there on SoundCloud. We're also on Spotify. We're on Google Music forever, however long that lasts. I think Google Music is supposedly going away here in a few months. iTunes, did I say iTunes? Tune in. Most, pretty much most places that you can hear podcast. Follow us on all our socials. If you get on NeatThunderUnderground.com, you can find all the socials there. Get on YouTube and subscribe at The Thunder Underground. We've got a lot of videos that are specific to there. But yeah, I think that basically covers it. Once again, a huge thank you to Nick Reese for taking some time out there to talk about Joyous Wolf. Big thank you to our sponsors, Hella Hot Hot Sauce, Med Farm, DEB Concerts, and Sunset Tattoo. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all. 